Hello, everyone. This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to another episode of the WTF Podcast, where we discuss the challenges faced by Black entrepreneurs in the U.S. and globally, particularly women, to access funding to grow or scale innovative ideas and demystifying entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. We've been expanding our conversations to talk to all different types of entrepreneurs and investors. And in a few episodes, we'll be speaking to some angels from the Future Females Invest um, Angel Investment Group in Mauritius. Let me do that over. I went off script and now I got lost. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right. Let me read from what I, I prepared. Okay, starting over. Hello, everyone. This is Michelle here. Welcome to another episode of the WTF podcast, where we discuss the challenges faced by Black entrepreneurs in the U.S. and globally, particularly women, to access funding to grow or scale innovative ideas and demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. This episode is another in a series of conversations with future females invest, angel investors who invest in building sustainable and profitable businesses founded or co-founded by women and have a big impact on Africa and beyond. My guest today is Chen Indy, an FFI angel. Chen is the co-founder and head of Digital at Quantum, trainer for digital marketing and angel investor. Since 2015, she serves as head of global at Quantum, helping businesses in Mauritius and overseas to create and improve their visibility over the internet. She joined FFI Angels to empower women entrepreneurs in Africa and supports the startups she invests in via sharing her knowledge and experience as a digital marketer. Chen, welcome to the WTF podcast. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. It's a pleasure. Chen. Yes. <laughs> you went from executive to entrepreneur to investor. Tell me about your journey to entrepreneurship and how that influenced you to become an angel investor. Yeah, so um, between, you know, in Israel, uh, the army is mandatory. So uh, basically what every Israeli uh, does is that uh, we finish high school, we go to the army. Uh, most of the people then uh, go to travel the world and then we go to university and then we go into the professional life. So um, I skipped the part of traveling the world. I went straight to uh, uni and I studied physics. And, uh, and then uh, I went into professional life, but I've never thought about myself as a, an entrepreneur or simply put a business owner. And none of my parents uh, is an entrepreneur, business owner. My mom is employed uh, for the same uh, government office for the past, uh, I don't know, 40 years. And that's uh, what people dad. used to do. That's quite normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and my dad also has a very, very humble uh, uh, past and his, his professional life. Uh, um, there was nothing there that inspired me for entrepreneurship. Uh, they inspired me as people, but uh, not on the business side of things in terms of going being independent. And actually, the change happened when I uh, came to Mauritius, but not because of the job I was doing in Mauritius. I was a uh, managing sales and marketing in the company that brought me here uh, from Israel for one and a half year. And after one and a half year, I, I decided to leave the company. But then I was already with my partner. Her name is Sophie. She's my life partner and my business partner. And she was telling me while I was still working uh, at the, this job with, with these people, she was telling me, you know, you work so hard. <laughs> Why don't you do it for yourself? And I think it was maybe the first time in my life that it resonated with me. Now, I, yeah, so like, you know, when I say it, when I talk about it, I feel like, yeah, I don't have like a crazy story of uh, something fell on my head and uh, and uh, yeah, I was selling uh, bracelets when I was uh, five years old uh, <laughs> outside my house, like, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, sexy stories. But that was the truth. She And she really encouraged me. So I... I took that leap and I said, okay, but well, there's nothing I can lose. Like uh, I was 30 years old, more or less uh, back then. Uh, I'm 38 now. And uh, I took that leap. I, I started um, thinking of how I can work for myself. And quite soon we understood that we should work together because what she does and what I do com complete each other. Uh, what does a, she do? 
yeah, so she she was a journalist in the past, uh, but then after that she became a copywriter. She founded uh, People magazine, the, the the franchise here in Mauritius, uh, and after a few years she sold it and she started transitioning online. Regardless, myself, I was not in the picture at that point. And um, she was writing a lot for the web, uh, for social media, for websites. And, uh, and I am a hardcore digital marketer uh, in the sense that I, I look at uh, Excel, well, not anymore Excel, but <laughs> uh, in 2009, I was looking at Excel, uh, numbers, analytics, creating campaigns, buying media, um, uh, making sure that the media you buy is profitable. And uh, yeah, it, it made a lot of sense that we will work together. And it was actually very easy on the bureaucracy side of things uh, because um, uh, yeah, same-sex marriage is not legal in Mauritius. So uh, we, we joined forces and uh, yeah, since then we're working together. Uh, she's sitting uh, right next to me in the office with uh, the rest of our 11, uh, we are all together 13, Sophie and me, uh, it's the two of us. So, and we all sit in the same office and yeah, having the time of our life uh, <laughs> doing online marketing. <laughs> so you so, started, so Sophie encouraged you to start doing your own thing because you were doing it so well for others. And you're like, okay, all right, I'll take Sophie's word for it that I could do this. Yeah. Were there any moments <laughs> of doubt that you could do this on your own? Or was she there to just keep hyping you up as you were going along to quell the self-doubts? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think that the entrepreneurship, it's, you doubt yourself every day. <laughs> I'm very honest about it. You know, I, I, I think that, I mean, obviously, the more the years go by, you doubt yourself less because once you achieve some successes, it's easier to say, okay, I, I'm, it's not Maybe in my Maybe I can do this after all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I have confirmation from others. People are actually paying me for my time and for my knowledge. So it makes sense. But I, I think that... Building a business, the first two years are the hardest, uh, by far, and um, and and this is where uh, we will talk a lot. Mostly, we'll talk about angel investing, and I think this is where it's going to come. I when I meet entrepreneurs, I feel their pain. I I know how hard it is, and building a startup that wants to change the world, I think it's much harder than what I do. So um, I think that at this uh, at this level. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to invest in other businesses because uh, beyond the money, you can give them so much value, especially if you're, um, if you're, uh, I, I want to say the word wise, but I'm not sure it's the right word, but you're, you are aware of the difficulties that they are uh, facing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I think that there are doubts all the time. I, I definitely feel that with the years, the doubts, they keep on being there because you, you keep challenging. So uh, so when you start new projects within your business, th- then the doubts come. When you do the same thing, then, you know, it's 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 kind of it's becoming, all right, I'm, I'm good at it. People. So you took your understanding of the challenges and pain points of entrepreneurs. You, you get it, right? And you understand that they're up for a big challenge. At what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to become an angel investor. What was that process like? When did you decide that's something that's the next step for you? Yeah. Um, so there wasn't really a moment that I decided. Uh, like a lot of things in life, it happened uh, as a coincidence. Uh, I I will just give one um, a, a little bit about uh, what happened uh, in 2009. 2009, I had a bit of savings. And I decided to invest invest it in portfolio in the bank. I went to the bank with one of my best friends. And like I said, I studied physics. So I was I'm surrounded, was surrounded uh, by very smart people. Uh, two of them are still uh, my best friends. And uh, we went to the bank and we uh, built a portfolio with these uh, savings that I had. So I, I'm, I'm mentioning it because I think that most people are very scared of investing, very scared of anything that is related to finance. Uh, the numbers are scary, the percentage are scary. You go to the bank, there are mostly people who, uh, that's my feeling um, and my interpretation of reality. Uh, mm-hmm. People who don't really care enough to make sure that you understand. And then and they speak in very 
uh, high jargon and <laughs> it's a bit but it's, ali it's alienating right instead exactly. of so, making you feel comfortable that this is something that you can do yeah absolutely so uh, so i think that a lot of people are scared and then uh, not even to mention that in school we don't learn any of that uh, maybe today uh, today teenagers uh, kids they are it's starting to get into the curriculum but I never uh, learned anything about uh, finance or economy. Most of us didn't. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so, so that's why it's important for me to mention it because I didn't jump into investing. I, I think that if I hadn't had this background since 2009, by the way, I'm managing this portfolio. Obviously, uh, some money went in, some money uh, went out. Uh, like I did some transactions there, and but and I still have this portfolio. And still talking to my best friends about uh, my best friend about it, and uh, every once in a while, especially when there's a, a huge thing happening in the market, for example, <laughs> COVID crisis, <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I, I wasn't it wasn't completely foreign to me, and I think that this was a point where it really helped me to take the decision of okay. When I met Aisha, Aisha is the founder of FFI Angels. Aisha is doing many other wonderful things, and FFI Angels is just one of her projects. When I met her, and she said, "Okay, so the idea is to invest in women-led companies in Africa," but the other side of it was, which I really loved, is that she wants to educate women on how to invest. She wants to help women learn how to invest, and you don't need big pockets for it. If there are other women listening who maybe have a bit of, you know, money on the side and they're thinking about what they might do with it, what they could expect if they decide that angel investment is the route that they want to take. Yeah, so I think it's a lot about the people that you meet. Uh, so Aisha is a person that I immediately felt the connection to. Uh, she's, she's genuine uh, about her mission and vision and uh, I, I feel that uh, uh, she really wants to make an impact and I, I wanted to join that vision and um, I, I had money on the side uh, I am not um, I, I don't have very deep pockets I, I, again when you say angel investor in Israel or in in the US then it means that if you need $60,000 or $1 million they can write a check one person can write mm -hmm. a check that's why it's angel investor. In fact, the first time I heard about uh, angel group was here in, in Mauritius when I started working with Aisha and everyone else, Aisha Mulinga, uh, who was on your podcast as well, because the group uh, concept uh, wasn't that uh, common. I, I always heard it in the context of uh, people who usually had a startup before, and mm -hmm. they sold it for uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. And now they are angel investing by themselves. So uh, because the, they're the, at that accredited level, because they have that income um, status. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when um, when we were talking about that with Aisha and the group, uh, the first time I, I when when I went to the first meeting, it was uh, I don't know, we were, there was eight of us or nine of us. We weren't we were still building it. It was in uh, July 2020. So uh, I just went to listen to see who are the other people in the group uh, because you know investing with other people you want to see that there is some sort of uh, I don't know energy yes yeah and uh, energy uh, yeah you you want to know you know it's uh, it's it's important I think so I, I went to this first meeting and I loved what I, I I saw I I saw really really inspiring women. And so we, we went on uh, to the second meeting and then to a little bit of coaching from another uh, kind of a super angel from, uh, I, I believe she was in Nairobi. She, she was uh, kind of coaching us uh, uh, from uh, online. And uh, so the more time went by, the more I felt comfortable about it. But I think that the difference between maybe me and someone who decides to, okay, let me invest in uh, angel investing is that uh, I was kind of growing with FFI uh, because it, it was relatively new. So I, I think that, th but the process should be the same. Meet the people, mm -hmm. go and talk to them. There are so many angel groups, uh, again, that you can find online in uh, three or four searches <laughs> on Google. So 
unless you're in China and then you search in Baidu. <laughs> so uh, you, you need to meet the people to understand what kind of also companies they, they invest in, because I think that the shared uh, vision has to be the same. Again, you don't have to be aligned on everything in terms of, you know, people are different from each other. But for me, investing in women is something like, you know, it's, it's so obvious that, yeah, of course I have to do it. I'm a, I'm a proud feminist. I need to put my money where my mouth is. So it was like a really no brainer. Uh, so yes, I think people need to also um, uh, connect with the, for a lot of people, it's about industries. They want to invest in specific industries. Uh, for example, uh, they want to invest in the, in the, the ads business or in the medical, uh, medical stuff because this is their understanding or because this is where mm -hmm. they believe the future is for whatever reason. Uh, for me, it connected to my values as, as a person. So uh, yeah, so this is how I ended up uh, with, with FFI and I'm surrounded, I'm blessed to be surrounded by uh, such an inspiring uh, women, group of women who are, uh, yeah, who teach me things every, every single day. Yeah. So you find a group, find a connection, within that group, ensuring that their values alignment and that you like the people that you'll be co-investing with in that group. Training is provided to teach you the necessaries of what you need to know. So you're not just out there flailing on your own. There is a support yeah. for it. And ensuring that there is some alignment in terms of interests, in terms of your thesis, who you're going to invest in and, and things of that nature, right? Yeah. So now tell me as an angel investor, what do you look for? So first of all, what types of businesses and founders are you most interested? Well, we talked about the founders, like you're, you're doing what you're investing in women, but what types of businesses um, are you investing in? Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to add one thing to what you said. Uh, of course, that the ticket size is very important uh, when you choose an angel group. You need to know that you can afford uh, be, uh, to be a part of this group, because if their ticket sizes are a few millions of dollars and you cannot afford it, then right. it's not relevant. Right. Vice versa. Vice versa. If you have... Um, if you have uh, if you are wealthy and you can invest much more, then you need to find the angel group that, uh, that is investing in uh, more advanced companies. Um, so, so the uh, important thing yeah. is that there's variety um, that exists, especially yeah. in terms of ticket sizes. So don't yeah. feel as if, if you don't have millions of dollars or multiple thousands of dollars to invest at one time, you can't be an angel because you yeah. can find a group that operates at a lower ticket size and, 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 and be able to contribute um, and be an angel at that level. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, and then in terms of your question, uh, the truth is that we, are, uh, we don't decide on specific uh, industry. It was, it was a conscious decision because our main focus was women uh, founders or women co-founders or women in the decision-making level. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> as a lot of angel investors are actually financial, <laughs> the people in finance, <laughs> a lot of the startups that we see are finance in the in the finance area. Mm -hmm. uh, but not only we invested in the in the company that is doing it's an impact business. Uh, they build an amazing CRM for NGOs. Uh, we invested in a company that is doing something in the entertainment area. Uh, completely not related to, uh, to the first one. Uh, we are uh, going to invest in a, in a financial app, helping uh, people save money, uh, helping people by connecting with the companies first. Yeah, we have a social network uh, style for is in a very specific niche that we are going to invest in. Uh, yeah, there are a few, some very interesting uh, deals in the pipeline. Uh, one of them also a medical one. So quite a big variety and again as long as it's it's an early stage startup because in the in our ticket size it can be only early stage and it's led by women uh, yeah and, and of course where we can feel that we can help because we are not only it's not only about the money if if founders are listening to this and they are raising money it's really important that they will know that they need to find investors that can help them beyond the money 
because money in a way there is endless money in the world for startups especially today but you you need far beyond that you need the connections you need the expertise the experience the you know it's, it's like i said it's very hard to build a business and sometimes you just need this external person that will tell you hey you know let's let's look at it from that angle and see what's happening hey are you sure about about this and that maybe we can rethink about it maybe i can introduce you to a friend of mine or a colleague of mine who has expertise in this subject and they can give you their two cents they can share their two cents because investors they're always on your side you know there's no you know they're on your team and when are they go- always on your side though or just the ones that mainly the ones that you work with yeah oh. <laughs> yeah okay I, I try to see the good in people <laughs> so, I wanted to, yeah. So, um, to go back to something, so there, I, I agree. There's lots of money out there, especially these days where, you know, the whole idea of startups and funding at different types, angel VC, but some people do struggle more to connect with that capital and women are in that category of people who do struggle to connect with capital. And that's why there is more intentionality these days around, you know, groups like FFI wanting to invest in the value of women because the data is there in terms of the, the amount of funding that goes to women-led uh, businesses versus male-led businesses. But I also want to get back to the beyond funding part of it. Because we know funding is important, but it's not everything. And you were talking about the value that FFI provides beyond funding. And what does that mean for you as the investor? And what does it mean for the portfolio companies that you invest in? The value beyond funding that you bring? Yeah, so... Look, it's, it's also a choice of, uh, of an angel uh, because some angels invest hours in the startup, uh, hours and hours and hours uh, on a monthly level, and some, they don't want to hear about them. They, w- they, want, they want to invest the money and talk to them again when they, when they exit. So it, it really depends on the person as well. I, I think that if we have a mutual interest for, for this to succeed, then we need to help them wherever we can. And I think that in our group, uh, we, we all do it. Some do it more than others. Uh, but again, it's not, I'm not saying it in a judgmental way. I'm saying it as a, as a fact. And because maybe some people think that it's less important or, you know, that it's not interesting for them, which is, again, completely legit. I, the beyond for me is, uh, so I'll give myself as an example because, you know, I can speak only about myself. <laughs> I, I built a business to start with, but I built a business in, the, in uh, an area that every single business, not even a business, every single organization in the world needs help with, which is digital marketing, uh, online marketing, uh, digital online, digital is the screen online is when you're connected to the internet. So any organization has this pain of how do I make myself visible? How do I reach people? How do I improve engagement? How do I grow? Uh, uh, How do I reach, uh, I don't know, more investors? Uh, How do I build my LinkedIn profile to attract the right audiences? So uh, almost every organization in the world, uh, I don't know, maybe every organization in the world is uh, asking uh, itself these questions. And uh, so I, I feel that I have, there's a lot of value that I can give to them. And of course I always offer, I don't impose because I don't want them to feel that because I'm an investor, they have to, uh, you know, my opinion is not, uh, is not the one that uh, sets the, the tone. They, they do what they want, eventually it's their company. But I feel that I can give them, I can share with them a lot of experience, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, marketing budgets uh, on Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, anything that you can think of, email marketing, uh, that, that there's a lot that I can share there and give them a bit of direction. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, if, it's even in the level of telling them, you know, there are a lot of platforms. These platforms are complex and they change every day. It's okay if you are not if you are not on all the platforms, but you need because you need to choose your priorities. 
and uh, yeah and then and then there's like I, i'm a very hands-on person so if they have a specific goal to i don't know lead generation for a specific uh, thing that they are doing I, i can literally tell them voila this is what you need there's this option on linkedin through lead generation on facebook you have the, that option uh, so yeah so there's a lot to share and, and i'm super happy to share it again i, I feel that it's part of my uh, I feel, I feel that it's part of my job, but I'm also happy to help in any case. I mean, even if I'm not an investor. So, uh, so yeah, so, so this is, so I can, like, I, I, yeah, so that's from my point of view, because that's what I do. I do online marketing. I, uh, we've helped in my company, uh, I don't know, more than a hundred companies over the years. Uh, with their online visibility. So this is definitely a place where I know that I can help the angels. I'm not going to advise them about something I don't know. And, and then there's the other aspect of building a business. And, and like I said, sometimes telling them that, you know, it's okay that you are facing challenges. It's okay that this is hard. It's okay that you need to make priorities. So I guess that each angel needs to think with, with him or herself what they can give, what they want to give. Uh, because I really think that it's more... Uh, that there's here something here beyond the money. Uh, yeah, money, of course, helps you reach uh, some, some milestones, but uh, the expertise, the knowledge, the experience, the network is uh, something that is uh, really uh, a huge ad added uh, value. And uh, yeah, now when I'm saying it, I, I remember that to one of the startups, I already introduced uh, two or three people that I know based on what she saw on my website. She saw with which companies I work with and, and she said, is it possible to do introduction? And I was happy to. So, yeah. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, Aisha Tagali has joined the chat. <laughs> Welcome, Aisha. Do you have anything to add to the beyond, the importance of the beyond the funding that FFI angels provide? That connection, the networks, the relationships that are built, how FFI angels supports its portfolio founders? So yeah, as you have said already, it is it's the connections that's incredibly, incredibly important. The things that money can't buy, this access to social capital um, that a lot of female founders don't necessarily have, um, which is why they may not be able to access the funding in the first place. Um, it's people that will open and hold, door opens, hold doors open for, for other women. It's also that safe space as well. It's that safe space to kind of talk about any issues, any problems, and really um, in an open, honest, transparent ways that's really, really um, solution focused or actually just to have a listening ear. So, you know, we do provide more than money. Money is important. But I was actually talking to an entrepreneur this morning and, um, you know, I had to remind her that, you know, investors don't always wear the trousers um, or, or, you know, or rule the roost, right? Um, the money is not the be all, and en be all and end all. And if you don't feel a connection with the, with the investor, you shouldn't have them invest in your business. So I think the um, investee investor relationship is really, really a two way street. And, you know, as much as we assess the entrepreneurs, I hope they assess us and decide are we the right fit for them? Because I would not want to invest in a company that doesn't think that we bring value or we are, are able to support them in any way. Cash is important, but I don't think it's the only thing. Agreed. As angel investors, what do you look for when you are deal sourcing? Um, do you want Hen to answer that or do you want me to answer that? Hen, you go first. Yeah, so what are we looking for when we are deal sourcing? So we talked a bit about it. That's why I wish to answer this because we talked about what is important for us. Uh, women uh, founders in Africa or women who are making impact in Africa. So really this is our uh, first criteria as an individual. I can say um, that for me, what is important is the team. I know it's obvious, but it, it's not that obvious. Uh, many big successful companies that you know today are companies who started with completely different product. Slack is an example. It was a gaming app. 
and um, and and the Slack was actually a tool that they built for their own internal communication, and uh, they became the monster that they are today because they knew uh, how and when to do the pivot. And I think this shows you; it goes to show that the strength of the team is super super important for a lot of startups, especially in early stage, the ones that we uh, mostly see. Uh, they, their idea is uh, not uh, fully cooked, let's say. Uh, they, they try things and then sometimes the real need will come as the side effect of what they are doing. And then they are saying, wait, wait, you see this side effect? This is a big thing. Let's make it our main thing. But for this, you need a, a strong team to identify the opportunity in a way to not be in love with, the, with their solution, to be in love with the problem that they are trying to solve. I'm not saying big news here. I think that anyone who ever listened to an investor or a, a successful startupper uh, have heard what I just said. Being in love with the problem that you are trying to solve and not with your solution. Because a lot of owners, they treat their businesses like their babies and you cannot not love your baby. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, of course you can, but again, I, I want to see the good in people. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, we get it. Uh, so tell me, so on the business side, what are you looking for to say? All right, I think this looks good. You know, what do you need to see? Aisha, are you looking for traction, revenue? Like what? What beyond right. the team? Because Hen, yeah, Hen talked about them having a strong team. What else? Yeah, like we have seen some really fantastic fund, uh, fantastic founders who we haven't invested in, just maybe because the business doesn't, you know, tick the preferences of the angels or the area of expertise of the angels. Um, you know, I really love maternal health products, um, products for mums, um, because I am a mum. Um, Ken really likes quite techy projects and, you know, everybody has their preference for a project, right? Um, so, but what we do need to see, we do need to see some traction. We do need to see some evidence of, of something that works. I, I would, you know, I don't want to invest in an idea. I want to invest in something that has got some sort of conceptualization around it, some sort of something. Um, and some buy-in from customers doesn't have to be massive but you know there has to be something there um revenue minimum revenue isn't isn't necessarily an issue some revenue is good some customers paying for your service is always a plus or x amount of users signed up to your service um and also your total addressable market um you know like um some things will work in some places due to population size and others won't so it's really looking to to see the fit of the business so there is no there is no hard and fast formula so what advice would you give to african women founders entrepreneurs who are looking for funding don't, like don't give up be brave and, um, you know, introduce yourself to as many people as possible. You will get no's. How, how should they do that? So let's say you have, I know, I, I know a young lady, her business is doing fairly well. She's a bit on the shy side. I don't even know if it's shy. You know, some people are not very extroverted and they don't always know how to communicate the value of what they're doing, but the value is there. What advice would you give to someone like that? Especially around making sure that you're getting out there and making connections. What are some ways to do that? Is it reaching out to investors on LinkedIn? Um, back in, you know, before COVID when there were lots more um, in-person networking events. And even when you're at the event, how do you spark the conversation, right? So that it leads to more than just small talk. Like, what do you do? Mm. What are some strategies, some tips, um, that you can impart yeah my biggest thing is be authentic and be yourself like don't dress yourself up as somebody that you're not or something that you're not and you know we can see through like a massively wordy super wordy email if somebody just sent an email to say look 
seen that you invest in women. Here's, I'm a female founded company that I do this, 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 and this. Here's my deck. Please have a look at it. Those are the type of emails I like because they're they're short and to the point. And I'm sure that Hen can talk about more about how women can make themselves more visible um, on, on things like LinkedIn. But my biggest thing is be authentic and be yourself and um, and just allow that allow your light to shine. Yeah. So um I, yeah, I wanted to actually give a really hands-on uh, tip. And I say to almost every founder that is willing to listen, uh, using LinkedIn, LinkedIn is in a place where there's an opportunity there for founders. It's one of the largest uh, platforms that exist today with nearly 800 million users. Just to, to, com to compare so people will understand, you, you cannot understand the number that stands by its own. So Facebook has nearly 3 billion monthly active users on its platform. Uh, and Twitter has um, 200 uh, daily monetized uh, users. That's uh, that's kind of the, just to understand the scale. So it's a huge platform, not as big as Facebook, but very, very big. And there is an opportunity there in terms of the organic exposure, organic meaning not paid, that you don't need to pay uh, Facebook, you, uh, sorry, LinkedIn. You don't need to pay Facebook as well when you are an individual, uh, obviously, but, LinkedIn, um, the exposure on Facebook as an individual is uh, much lower than it is on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is just an opportunity. And, and it's a window of opportunity because in my opinion, it will close down because what will happen? And whatever happened to Facebook, more and more users will join. The feed will get noisier and noisier. And you, you are going to lose this uh, window of opportunity where you can post something and reach a lot of people, even if you don't have a lot of connections. So here is the hands-on thing. Try to think how you tell your story. And going back to what Aisha said, uh, be your authentic self. And the most important thing, think of the ratio between how much you're trying to sell and how much you're trying to give value. Try to think of the other person, on the, the person on the other side. You know, I always say I'm a marketer. Everyone, as soon as they say I'm an online marketer in specific, but as soon as they start speaking to me, they think that I'm trying to sell them something. <laughs> but most founders are not in the marketing business. So people are more open. And that's number one. And number two, you have to think of the other person's seat. To be, to be very, very blunt, they don't care about a what what is your pain as long as it doesn't resonate with them once it will resonate with them they're open to hear so you always need to think about what's in it for them but what's in it for them again in the sense of the value in the sense of the interest so uh, uh, generating content ongoingly i think is uh, is something that uh, founders should do a lot of them are, they are saying, I'm an introvert. I'm not feeling comfortable. I don't want to talk about myself. And it's okay. It's legit. I'm just saying this is an opportunity. Uh, in a very noisy world, uh, we are bombarded with information, with so many platforms, with so many devices that we have. People, you need to be on people's radar. And it's one of the best ways to be on the radar. And yeah, Michelle, you also mentioned the events and and, and the networking um sessions and yeah so how to present yourself in the yeah, in real I, life in the in real life version yeah, versus the IRL, online yeah. right the IRL version versus the online version um how do you navigate the IRL yeah I I never start talking about myself and my business I I always try to talk about uh, things outside of it because this is when people are attentive and uh, and sometimes you say something like just uh, like, you know, I, I, I run. So sometimes I, I mention it in another context. I don't know that I'm clumsy. And when, sometimes when I run, I fall. And I, so I laugh about, laugh about myself, right? But, uh, so that, that's, that's already opening the conversation. But I, I mentioned running. And then we find a, a mutual point to talk about because the other person is running as well. And then they are, they are much more open to talk about my other things. Because eventually it will come to it. Because people, uh, especially in networking stuff, they want to know what you do. That's the whole concept, right? So I think that 
the being human before being the in the business with wearing the business uh, uh, hat I, I think it's it really can open a, a lot of interesting conversations and then it's also a good a good test to see if you are really bonding with the person um because you know you you need some sort of relationship when when you gain clients I mean you need the of course depending on what kind of service you sell but in my business the service that we do we are the face of companies online so it has to be a good bond it has to be a good connection they have to trust me that I am going to represent them the best way possible so yeah so that's start my with a say. human connection right and then at some point when you start talking about yourself is it still important for people to have elevator pitches like a simplified way of talking about themselves and their business but in a way that just makes it seem sort of like organic and not I think it's important to have an elevator pitch because if you have an elevator pitch that you understand that you worked on you created it means that you know how to explain your business in a in a very condensed way in a very on and on the other hand very simple way and I think that is very very important and just as an anecdote I'm, I'm also a trainer I do I I've done 120 sessions to date and I've met hundreds of people from uh, yeah yeah maybe more than hundreds but never mind from hundreds of companies and I have to say that when you explain things to other things to other people you just understand them much 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 better so yeah so it's kind of in the same logic box for me I want to go back uh, a second to something that you said hen about the ratio between giving value and being salesy. What would be a good ratio for that? How much yeah. value, how much sales? Yeah. <laughs> if, you had to, if you had to pick something, what would be the, a good ratio as a rule? Yeah, I, I, I know. I'm laughing because the ratio will surprise people because I don't know. I, again, I'll, I'll say because I think that I need to walk my talk. I'll say what I do on LinkedIn. I think that out of every 10 posts, there is one that is uh, sales-oriented and, and sometimes it's even out of 20. Only one that is really talking about a training that I'm launching or digital course that, I'm, uh, that I uh, put on my website. Uh, yeah, and, and most of it, it's, it's uh, brand awareness. So let's, let's say that there are like kind of two types of... Uh, uh, content-oriented uh, things, value that is not sales, and which is one is brand awareness. So here is what here is who I am and what I do. But I, I'm not asking you to buy anything from me. Hey, I did this training with this company. I love what they are doing. They are a, an impact business or this team. Uh, it's the third time I'm doing training with them. I love uh, joining uh, them at the, their office. Uh, so this is really I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just showing what I do. And then there's pure content, pure value that I offer to the people who read me. And of course, they are re it's relevant for them if they are marketers, managers, business owners who are trying to do online marketing. Uh, yeah, so I think that the ratio is very like one out of 10, one out of 20. It also depends on how much content you have the capacity to produce because a lot of people, what, what they say, and again, I understand why they are in this position. They say, I don't have time to post once a week. You have to, to make time. Once a week, it might not even be enough for an individual. I'm not talking about company. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a bit of a different conversation. Yeah. So I guess this is a dumb question. We all know how, how important it is to be digitally present in this day and age. Um, what are some, let's say a founder, they're overwhelmed, they've got, a bunch of things to do and they don't yet have a team that can help with the digital placement and presence of the business. What are some simple, easy things that they can do right now until they can do better? And maybe with this, we can start um, wrapping up um, the show. So take us out with some, some, some yeah. tips. Yeah, sure. How to so, do how to do more with less. <laughs> and I mean less time. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. So I think the first thing is just understand the space. You don't need to understand the ins and out of Google and Facebook and Insta and TikTok and Clubhouse. You don't need to. You just need to understand the space to understand that there are fundamentals for online marketing. There is search. So when people search actively for things, it's a different intent than scrolling a feed and trying to make them pause on your content completely different intent. And it's different from sending them an email and trying to hit, um, to resonate with them enough so they will open your email and then maybe engage with it, okay? So just understand the space. It's not rocket science. And uh, if I do it, anyone can do it. Just understand what are the options. And then you make priorities. And once you make the priorities of, of where you need to be present and where do you need to be present, where your potential audience is, right? And once you decided where you need to be and you understand the platform, you understand that LinkedIn is not like email and email is not like uh, Instagram, then you say, okay, what are my priorities now? I have three platforms that are priority, but you know what? I don't, know, I don't have the capacity to do three. So let me choose two. And I, I'm going to commit to post once a week on my LinkedIn profile and uh, once a, a week to post on my company page. Now, again, understanding the space is also understanding that when you post on Facebook, most likely most people won't see your content. You have to pay because again, the feed is a very, very noisy environment and Facebook cannot show only ads or only things from pages. The feed is about people. So there is a very good mix of people, pages, groups, and so on and so forth. So the organic exposure, what we talked about before, is very, very low on Facebook. So, so maybe you say, okay, you know what? I don't have the capacity for Facebook, but one of my employees is, is really good at TikTok. And my target audience is on TikTok. Let me see how I can do, uh, how we can go into TikTok. So make the priorities and it's okay if you narrow it down to two platforms where you can be active start but and commit to it it's super super important to commit to it one of the biggest failures of businesses never mind entrepreneurs entrepreneurs small businesses i'm talking about very big businesses they are not consistent and uh, you know sometimes you win the game only by being consistent so yeah so this is really kind of a, <laughs> a in a nutshell, but I, I think that, yeah, understand the space, make your priorities and make it happen. So consistency is key. And where are some platforms that are better for organic? Well, you said Facebook, isn't it? So where's a better platform for organic reach? Yeah. So TikTok now is, uh, I mentioned LinkedIn already for personal profiles. Uh, LinkedIn is also good for company pages for organic reach, but you need to build your, your following as well. So LinkedIn, TikTok, but again, TikTok might not be a relevant platform for you because maybe your target audience is not there. So, so what? You will, uh, you will create a video, you will get 1 million views, but uh, irrelevant people. So yeah, TikTok is, is an opportunity. Clubhouse uh, started with a big hype. And now it, uh, it went down a bit, but uh, there, could be, there could be an opportunity there. Uh, email marketing is one of my favorite uh, channels. Uh, and it's not uh, a lot of people associated with the 90s or with spam, but I'm not talking about spamming people. I'm talking yeah, about- There's so much this. talk about email marketing is dead. So you're saying, no, not dead? Yeah. I, I don't feel it's dead at all. <laughs> But you know what? I don't mind that others think it's dead. It gets more opportunity. They're saying, I know, I know what they, why they're saying it's it's dead because one, it's really old. Email was one of the first. Email existed before the internet. Uh, um, in universities, people would send themselves uh, between themselves uh, emails. So uh, I understand why, but uh, it's absolutely not dead because if you have a list that you build, people who want to listen to what you have to say, and again, giving them value. Don't think about yourself. Give them value in the space that you are working in. Uh, an email list is, is a very, very powerful thing. I, just as an anecdote, when I send one email, usually to, to, do, to fill up a class of, of a training, and I take up to 30 people, maximum. Mm -hmm. Usually, one email is enough. <laughs> one. So, Assuming uh, you have a robust uh, email list. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. You, you, again, you need to build your list, but as long as you give value to people, again, and you can connect it with the LinkedIn. You don't need to uh, uh, create content completely different for LinkedIn, completely different from email. It, it absolutely can be from the same, uh, on the same subjects. Uh, just understand the difference between the platforms and then adapt it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so th these are some of the okay, email. It's hard to talk about it in terms of organic reach. You need to know how to uh, reach people's inboxes. And this is by them subscribing to you. And the second thing is really to think about, I call it the before, during and after, before they open your email in the terms of the sender and the subject line preview, during while they read your email. And then after you, you need to look what, what happened. And of course, growing your list all the time. So, so yeah. ladies and gentlemen, um, what Hen was exhibiting is an example of, you know, when you work with an angel investor who has a certain expertise, <laughs> that expertise <laughs> can be shared with you to add value to what you're doing um, and probably save you money, right, Hen? <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to think so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So, ladies, as we as we wrap up, um, can I just add in there? Yes, Ken is definitely one of our super angels. All of our angels are super angels, but the entrepreneurs do love Ken because of that extra extra value she brings. And even the angels, we love Ken because you know she's she's teaching us about how to sort out our our personal branding and our social media and um, and helping to launch the FFI angel brand as well. So. Thank you for being super amazing. Luckily, it's a podcast, so no one sees um, my face getting red. <laughs> so I will say um, for the listeners, if you're interested in reaching out to FFI Angels and becoming a part of this fantastic um, angel group and connecting with these super angels who are already there and doing the work and adding value, Aisha, tell us what they need to do to reach out to FFI. Well, they can now find us on LinkedIn. We have a LinkedIn page, FFI Angels. So please come and find us on LinkedIn. Um, drop me an email, Aisha at futurefemalesinvest.com. Find me on LinkedIn. Also find any of our angels on LinkedIn. And most of them now put on their profile that they are a member of uh, Future Females Invest. Um, reach out to Hen, myself and any of the other wonderful angels we have. Awesome. And also follow your host on LinkedIn, Shell J. McKenzie. With that, thanks everyone <laughs> for joining for another episode of the WTF podcast. If you would like to be a guest or sponsor the podcast, please contact us at wheresthefunding at gmail.com. The podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please help us to grow, subscribe, stream, rate, download, review, all those good things. And follow the podcast also on Instagram at Where's the Funding Podcast. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.